Caroline Thea Swinney, and we, or I am, at the High Park Jazz Festival in Chicago. What brings you here today? Just curiosity, you know, love for jazz. I have to say that uh, when I think of jazz, jazz was really the soundtrack of my youth. My dad was a, a aficionado of jazz. He was, uh, worked in, the, I'm trying to think, he worked in a box factory. And, um, I should back up a little bit. I'm the, the first urban generation of my family. And so my family came up in the you know early 50s. And dad, we're from Tennessee. Dad came up here first, like many folks in the, during the black migration, even though we were at the tail end. And uh, got that job and then sent for mom. And I came in utero, so to speak. Um, but it's interesting that, and we, and we moved into the area which is now known as Bronzeville uh, in, in Chicago, um, 3,500 3, South Michigan, Michigan Avenue, in a tenement building. And one of the big treasures that Dad had at the time was a, a record player, and he managed to accumulate a number of pieces, uh, records, um, albums at the time and that would be just the background music um, I don't obviously know a lot about the performers I just remember the music I remember the songs and I remember remember what it did to dad I mean he having worked in a factory new to the city and probably the intensity of having left home in a new environment it seemed to relax on me I could just in, see him now sitting back in a chair and just kind of, you know, nodding to the music and uh, kind of in his own world. Um, I didn't question that much, but I, I knew that whatever he was listening to, whatever he's hearing was, was all good. I think that, you know, years, a couple years, a few years later, we were able to uh, move from the tenement into public housing. And at that time, public housing was really a godsend. I mean, most people, when you hear of public housing, you think of what it's like now. But then, when so many African Americans lived in tenement housing, the big uh, sort of occurrence that would happen every year would be, you know, the fires. There's always a tenement burning down, usually around winter, usually when people were using heat and so forth. So, so when we had an opportunity to move into a, a public housing on the west side, actually it was Ogden Courts, so it doesn't stand anymore. I just, again, it was more up close and personal as far as the music was concerned. And I remember uh, the array of music uh, Dad used to listen to, uh, uh, Gene Simmons, Jug, he used to listen to um, Horace Silver, Song for My Father, which is one of my favorite pieces now as an adult. And he listened to even Frank Sinatra, which he did some swinging. And then he listened to um, Ella, Sarah, I mean, the, 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 the favorites. And I, it was sort of funny growing up in the projects because um, not everybody, it was primarily African-American families, although there was maybe one or two white families at the time back in the um, early 60s, late 50s. But I remember hearing the, the blues uh, being played. Uh, maybe it was on the radio or I overheard it in someone else's home. And, 
And I asked, my, I remember asking my mom, how come we don't listen to the blues? And I remember my mom saying, and when I think about that, I have to laugh. She says, oh, well, low-class people listen to the blues. And I, which I thought was, oh, I didn't know there was kind of distinction with music. But uh, in any event, it was just sort of an interesting time to be growing up, particularly at, in the moment when, as I was becoming an adolescent and sort of identifying my own music tastes, uh, it was at the time when Motown was starting. And so like so many of my contemporaries, we were increasingly into Motown and jazz was symbolic of old, fe old people's music. We, we, you know, you had the big strong beat of Motown and, you know, of course we had the energy that one has when you're 13 or, or 12. And so that, you know, sort of superseded, took over what my you know, musical memories are as I entered that, that era. It wasn't until I got into um, actually college many, many years later that I began to become reacquainted with jazz. I remember uh, going to jazz uh, concerts with fellow classmates, friends from college, and we would listen and, you know, it was kind of uh, interesting uh, for me to, to, to sort of hear the sounds, hear the beat. It was a good time and then again I would listen to jazz sporadically. After I had kids, you know, I'd listen to their music. You kind of get into the things that they're listening to and then after the kids are gone then, you know, and after the divorce, <laughs> then, you know, this new man in my life has uh, helped me to become enamored with jazz again. Uh, he, jazz is not a part of his history, uh, but because of uh, when we first started seeing one another, one of the things that I took from my the house after dad had passed away was he had just hundreds of um, uh, CDs that he had recorded of various performers, and so I claimed a number of those, shared them with my boyfriend, he downloaded them all, and then he, that became his passion in terms of addressing and getting jazz and to the point where now that's pretty much all he listens to. But he's helped me to appreciate, you know, that history, remember that history, particularly when I hear the old, you know, the Coltrane's and the Miles Davis, you know, names uh, that, like I said, in the past when I was a kid, didn't mean a whole lot. But now, now that I'm hearing it, now that I'm, you know, feeling the vibes, it just transplants me back to those days when things were mellow and things were all right with my dad and with my family. Yeah. Well, there's another piece that I didn't mention, and I, I don't know how I feel about it, but at one point, <laughs> uh, towards the waning days of my marriage, I decided, you know, to rediscover, you know, myself. You know, one of the things that you will learn, you're young, you know, you're young, uh, that children dominate, your children dominate your life. So you really don't spend time on your own stuff, your own ish interests. And one of the things that I decided to do after my children were beginning to get up and out, go to college, is I decided to explore singing jazz. And I went to, um, I took classes at the Old Town School of Music. And the uh, instructor at that time was a popular musician, up and coming musician named um, Jackie Allen. And the thing that I loved about her class, you know, after I took voice lessons, I had to start with that so I could at least hold a note. But taking classes with her, one of the things that she wanted to get 
singers doing right away is singing in front of a combo, a jazz combo. And that led to doing these sort of live performances in different venues in town that she uh, would uh, pick for us. And I remember performing once at the um, Shed Aquarium. And my nom de guerre, my, my stage name was May Logan, M-A-E, Logan. Logan was the name of the street I lived on. So, and then May was just something that sounded like it went well with Logan. And so I, I remember singing the famous Horace Silver song, Song for My Father, which I thought went well with my voice. I think it went okay, but, but I really learned how to swing a little bit. But I also, I can tell you why I'm not swinging now and singing now is because I discovered that I was a better performer than I was a singer. And <laughs> I can only take you so far. I just had a lot of chutzpah just getting up on the stage and lights and then kind of blanking out on who's really in the crowd and then just kind of, you know, doing the, you know, one, two, a one, two, three, and then, and then sort of starting my song. And, but back to the Shed Aquarium, I was doing that at the Shed and singing a couple songs that I had picked out and performed a number of times before we went there, to that venue. And uh, one of my coworkers from work was there which I didn't know. And so I could see her coming to the front of a, a group of, um, the, of the audience. And she had this look on her face like, what? <laughs> and I remember looking at it and thinking, oh shoot. <laughs> and I lost my concentration. I became extremely self-conscious. But anyway, going through that, becoming aware of the fact that that I don't have the jazz um, um, chops that I thought I did, uh, which is okay. But it was it was a great you know run when it lasted. But again, it was all in tribute to music that I grew up with. Um, and um, anyway, I just wanted to add it add that little piece. Thank you. <laughs> it sounds like um, a lot of your memories go back to this Right. When you were raising your kids, was it ever something you thought about having that particular music or music in general? Well, I think that in raising my own kids, I think that I was very um, keen on. Well, first of all, I'm an I am an eclectic music lover. I don't listen to just one genre, and so my kids grew up listening to the different genres, at least when they were young listening to the genres that I had an interest in. So that ranged from classical music to uh, folk music to African. I mean, it was a whole range that, that was probably part of their uh, soundtrack as well. I'd be interested in hearing what they say about the music that they had. But, but the funny part about music and, and, and kids that now that I'm older and I'm, they're taking me to point A or point B in their car and they're playing their music and they would be playing songs that were like my absolute favorite music and I don't recall ever saying to them ever this is my favorite song and then no but it's something that they discovered on their own and has become one of their favorites so that's been sort of a wonderful piece but jazz you know listening to uh, watching my kids, you know, develop a, uh, and cultivate an interest in jazz is quite satisfying for me to witness, among other things. So, I, but I'd be curious to hear what my son says about the, the jazz piece. So, anyway.
I mean, the thing that was wonderful about my son is he exposed the family to a lot of avant-garde music from Euro European music, etc., that had the underlying, you know, rhythm and blues beat that you would find in obviously in blues, but also in jazz. And so he kind of took it two or three steps further, and I le learned to appreciate what he had to bring to the table. So, so maybe he picked up that along the way. I can't vouch for that. Only he can talk about that. As a lifelong Chicagoan, mm -hmm. um, what do you, how would you sort of describe the relationship between Chicago and jazz? Well, I mean, I think that Chicago was the birthplace of jazz in so many ways. Um, one of my first um, journeys as a, prof as a professional, I was, um, uh, got my degree in uh, urban planning. Um, at UIC and my first big assignment with the city of Chicago was to work on a planning project that encompassed the community that I grew up in on Michigan as well as you know the area between 18th Street to the north and about 55, 55th to the south Dan Ryan over to the lake and that entire area was uh, it was the birthplace so when you look at you know, the, the, the performers that came out of Phillips and the Sabo, uh, you know, the, I mean, I don't remember which school the Nat King Cole came out of, but he was a feature in my life. But, but in learning and, and being a planner in that area, I wanted to learn, you know, the history. It gave me, it afforded me a wonderful opportunity to sort of dive deep. And the history I thought I knew, but I didn't. So understanding the music uh, that came off of uh, 47th Street, music that came off of uh, State Street, Wabash, you know, uh, Teresa's Lounge was one of the big places that was a blues lounge. I mean, that was one of the wonderful byproducts of working there. And, uh, and, and, and as I was learning that and discovering that, and I, I only did that uh, job for about 15 months and went on to another position at the city, but it just, it again, took me back to my, my youth, took me back in a way that, of just understanding the, you know, so this is the rich environment I was growing up in, totally oblivious, as most children would be, but appreciating it, looking backwards. And so, um, I mean, Chicago's been an incredible uh, uh, venue, um, you know, for jazz, and so many wonderful current jazz singers. I mean, one of my favorite singers now is Kurt Elling. And uh, in fact, uh, while my dad was still living, I said, actually, go back a little bit, I was uh, listening to um, CBS morning news on a Sunday. And I was kind of with one eye open, laying in bed, and I heard the, the announcer said, and now we have this new jazz singer uh, coming out of Chicago. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, so what? Another jazz singer coming out of Chicago. And then until I heard him sing, and I kind of sat up in bed like, whoa, who is this? And so I began to follow him when he was singing at the Green Mill, and um, I'm trying to think, the Blue, the Blue Note over on uh, Milwaukee Avenue, and just following him around. And it turned out that there were a number of other people who were also following him around, so we all became groupies of Kurt Elling. Even today, we, we, we still watch him, we, come, we, we try to see him when he comes to Chicago. But uh, Chicago has been this sort of magical place where people like him, people like, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other 
folks. There's uh, Lucy Smith, who's uh, sort of a homegrown jazz singer, has emerged. And they are lovingly carrying the tradition of the music, of the history, all of the sort of magic that goes along with it. I appreciate that so much, and that's why now as I'm much older, I want to be near it because I, like my father, feel a sense of solace when I'm listening to it. So this has been great. This has been, you know, a great stroll down memory lane for me. I, I, I love jazz. That's how I like to end it.